Welcome to Digication Scholars Conversations. I'm your host, Kelly Driscoll. In this episode, you'll hear part one of my conversation with Sally Fortenberry from TCU. More links and information about today's conversation can be found on Digication's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Full episodes of Digication Scholars Conversations can be found on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Well, I'm so excited today to have the opportunity to speak to Sally Fortenberry. She is the Associate Professor, uh, Director in the Center for Merchandising Education and Research, the Merchandising Internship Director, and an Advisor in the Department of Fashion Merchandising at Texas Christian University. When do you sleep? <laughs> a mouthful, isn't it? Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, COVID has provided a few benefits of extra sleep and not mm-hmm. driving to and from, but um, I find time. Yeah. Good. Work it all Good. In. Yeah. Well, I'm really excited to uh, learn more about your department and your role and some of the ways that you have been using digication. Um, I have always been really excited by the uh, portfolios that I have seen your students creating that have been shared publicly. Um, Mm -hmm. I have stumbled upon them in searching for different things and um, just find that they are incredibly creative and beautiful. And so I was excited to have the opportunity to talk to you today. Um, So if you could tell me a little about your department and your role, that would be great. Certainly, certainly. So fashion merchandising is in the College of Fine Arts currently. We had previously been in the College of um, Arts and Sciences and Liberal Arts and uh, the Social Science Division, but then moved over into the College of Fine Arts in 2000 and I believe it was eight, um, if I can recall. So realignment of colleges across universities are always occurring, but uh, it really just positioned us uh, the way in which we teach our students. So we cover the supply chain. So we are a fashion merchandising major. It's a bachelor's of science and it covers everything from the textile industry all the way to the consumers. So it's really the soft goods supply chain, the way in which Mm -hmm. we teach our class or classes. And that's the way the major is set up. So the students are learning textiles, they're learning apparel construction, they're learning product development, um, as well as buying, wholesale, and consumer behavior. So we really try to make sure that they have a full range of knowledge, skills, uh, to be able to go in any position in the supply chain. So it has creativity added to it, where they're learning Adobe Suites. It has Mm -hmm. analytical aspects, where they're learning Microsoft Suites, as in Excel. Uh, So we believe that we're setting them up for success no matter what aspect of the industry they choose to go into. So that's kind of how we're positioned uh, in terms of the fine arts. Uh, Even though we do not offer a BFA, it's a BS, we do Mm -hmm. give them some of the creative areas, but also analytical areas. Nice, nice. And I don't know if I um, had mentioned it to you before, Sally, in some of our prior conversations, but I actually studied textiles at Rhode Island School of Design. 
Yes. Excellent. Maybe a piece of why I get so excited (laughs) when I see what your students are doing. Yeah. So our students, they are taking a course that is on textile design. They use the Kaleido software, Kaleido style Mm -hmm. and Kaleido print. So they are getting, you know, a a course, a short piece of that so that they Mm -hmm. are learning a little bit about textile design. So um, that's kind of exciting. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, So I know with all of the different roles that you have uh, Mm -hmm. within the department, um, when did you first start to think about the the use of portfolios and maybe how that uh, has changed a little bit over time? Well, we had always used portfolios, to be honest with you, but they were tangible. So right. uh, my career in academia spans multiple decades. And prior to technology, prior to the internet, prior to any type of software platforms where you could have or establish a digital portfolio. So mm-hmm. the tangible portfolio really was a way for merchandising majors to be able to show tangible evidence and examples of not only their specific skills, but also their knowledge of certain areas. And I just have always felt that it was important for merchandising majors to understand that having that evidence-based information was critical. Um, Design students, uh, apparel design, fashion design, technical design, even art majors have always had a tangible portfolio as well, but it was really an... um, I, I would say unusual for merchandising majors to um, have a portfolio, um, whether it was tangible or not. So literally, we started incorporating tangible portfolios into the career development piece for our majors in 1990, I guess it was. Mm-hmm. So those tangible portfolios have been extremely successful uh, for our students, uh, for the recruiters for the benefit of uh, anyone who was hiring one of our majors or if they had already graduated, being able to show their products, specific products and projects specifically from the major. And it really allowed them to keep um, and archive those projects that many times might have gone into a box, might have been thrown away. Um, And again, remember, this is pre computer technology and file sharing, file saving, and so on. And then, you know, fast forward a couple of decades and TCU was introduced to the digication platform. And I had already started investigating the technical aspects of establishing portfolios for our students because some recruiters and graduate schools, graduate programs, were asking for a digital portfolio. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you can do one of two things with a tangible portfolio. You can scan it in and have it, you know, all in PDF forms, which is not beautiful. But, um, or we started, you know, looking at, okay, development of websites. Well, we were not teaching Mm -hmm. websites or, you know, web development at that point in time, and when education was introduced at TCU in approximately 2012, 2013, and several faculties started uh, considering this as opportunities for our students to develop um, electronic portfolios, then I jumped on the bandwagon. I said, I want to learn what you're doing. So I, in essence, 
um, uh, well, took some time to um, not only go to some training classes in the summer, which that would have been 2013, and then um, the fall and spring. So we started, you know, tentatively bringing it in, introducing it into my career development class. And uh, the students who are really excited about it, they, you know, embraced it and said, let's go with it. Uh, so I gave them options. So you can do your tangible and electronic um, but you need to do one at that time. Mm -hmm. And then by 2014, it was only electronic. I, you know, they could create the tangible one if they wanted to still go with that, but the electronic had to stay as the uh, permanent um, portfolio for the class. And as, of course, we've evolved and students have become much more comfortable and confident in pulling together and archiving all of their uh, projects, all of their past work, they're finding, of course, that the um, electronic e-portfolio has saved them, number one, a lot of paper, saved them mm -hmm. a lot of time because there's um, no need to start over. And it's also allowed them to add as much as they wanted. Um, a tangible right. portfolio is limited by the size of the actual portfolio. But a digital portfolio is not limited at all. So they can continue to add. They can, can you know, take away, you know, just make changes um, at any point in time. So we've tried to encourage the start of that e-portfolio at the sophomore level and then continuing on um, to after graduation, really, to update mm -hmm. it, um, maintain it, and use it for their own personal benefit and job search, uh, but also for the opportunity to go back and, you know, just modify it and add things that they have actually accomplished on the job to those things that they were able to accomplish while in school. So, so the evolution has been many decades coming. Uh, yes. I like where we are now. I love, I love the ePortfolio uh, platform and the formatting. I love that it's very um, user-friendly for our mm -hmm. students. And it's also such that they can have as many portfolios as they want, meaning once they've established kind of their own platform, they then can um, share, you can copy, uh, make, you know, one for just archival, and then the other one they can change it up for their interviewing and then they could change it maybe even for specific job types you know take right. projects in and out mm -hmm. yeah and it's great to hear that it's a a process that they start uh in their sophomore year and continue through and um i was curious when they're introduced to it in sophomore year, are they already thinking about it being used as a career e-portfolio? Yes, yes, exactly. So even though uh, at TCU, they had started introducing it at the freshman level in some of our introductory um, right. university core courses, uh, it was there that they were really um, told and encouraged to think of it as a reflection piece for what they're learning at college. And so the way we introduce it in our first year courses, Intro to the Fashion Industry, is that remember to keep everything you're working on as you begin your major in this uh, area because you're going to need it for your e-portfolio. Right, and so right. 
they, we, they are told to keep things, to make sure that they are not throwing things away, to make sure that they are, um, you know, digitizing, whether it's taking a photograph or scanning in, because some of their project work is, you know, can be very large. Sure, yeah. So, uh, and, and to establish a file, to start that file so that they're not, you know, looking for it or, you know, going to see where that tangible piece of uh, work might be somewhere else in their house or their parents' home or in their apartment. So um, we introduce it to them in their freshman level class. So fashion industry, um, intro to the fashion industry, it's really about getting prepared for your career. And then as they move forward, it's a focus on, okay, let's, kind of drill down and think about what it is that you want to put into that e-portfolio for your internship search first. And then, you know, the career search piece should evolve after the internship search. So um, we don't want them to just put everything in it. We want them to make sure that they are curating their work um, because they can put things in from their minor classes. They can also put Mm -hmm. things in from their, um, some of their core classes, uh, if they aspire to be um, in the fashion journalism area, they might want to put in writing pieces because those are going to be evidence of their writing skills. Uh, if they want to pursue something in, say, for instance, um, the PR piece, they may want to include things even from their activities where they've um, planned and implemented uh, events. So right. it's really about their thinking about strengths and of course this is evolving so in career development we have them go through the strengths quest Mm -hmm. looking at their strengths identifying their strengths and then focusing on an internship that really is going to align with and utilize those strengths effectively fabulous so as part of the um incorporation of the use of the e-portfolio with the internship what are what are some of the kinds of materials that they will put into their e-portfolio during that time? So um, there is a section that is considered to be their learning experiences or learning activities. So that Mm -hmm. area is where they will highlight the courses specifically that align with their strengths and that also align with the Um, I guess you'd say career direction that they want to go. So they will identify the courses that uh, they're going to highlight and then the projects within those courses. And uh, we'll just take in their fashion industry course. They may actually do a, um, just a research paper on a specific retail company. And Mm -hmm that professor may have provided them a list of all the different uh, retail organizations that uh, they can select from. And then that project might include a research paper, a PowerPoint presentation that they're going to present to the class. And then of course the uh, grade rubrics that they may have received back from the professors. So the paper and the PowerPoint will be included. And then the students asked, asked to reflect on the knowledge they gained from that project, the skills that they applied and maybe enhanced from that project. So PowerPoint, research skills, maybe learning APA. Um, And so that reflection should cover everything about that one particular project. 
And then they can also, and they're encouraged to do this, reflect on how these skills, this knowledge can apply to their career search or the area in the industry in which they hope to pursue their internship. So it's, it is um, kind of a three-part piece. Mm-hmm. Um, they can include um, graphic um, you know, illustrations. So they take a fashion drawing class. Uh, and then, again, reflect on everything it took to get to that final project. So it may not be just the final project, but the evolution of that project as they got from one point to the next and just really highlighting what they learned from it. Uh, They may um, want to focus on, say, Adobe, uh, that suite, so Mm -hmm. learning Photoshop, Illustrator, and and Design. So they'll many times show the projects that they have used illustrating Photoshop and then Mm -hmm. um, Illustrator and, and Design. So each one separately. And then there may be a final project that incorporates all three. Um, of course, with the buying projects, they're going to include things that um, really are about Excel, uh, doing mm-hmm. a six-month merchandise plan, um, analyzing data, looking at assortment plans. Um, so that's really about spreadsheets. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I don't include that. Uh, but more importantly, it's highlighting their analytical skills. So how did they use Excel as a software platform to enhance their abilities to critically think, to mm-hmm. analyze data, to make decisions uh, appropriately. It's not just learning the software, but it's also using the software. And so those reflection pieces are really allowing them to look back and say, oh, wow, I learned a lot more than I thought I had learned from just doing this simple project. And uh, that reflection piece is a way in which they are able to then talk more and about themselves, uh, to speak to their skill sets, uh, to speak to uh, why they might fit with a particular uh, position, or even uh, why a company should look to them uh, as opposed to someone else because they have such a diverse uh, and broad um, knowledge and skill base than someone who's maybe a little more narrow and their focus and their major. Right. And that brings up an important point too, as they're, as you mentioned, um, curating the e-portfolio and really thinking about what are the Mm -hmm. specific kinds of pieces of work that they want to include. Not not everything that they've done necessarily, but what are the things that they think might most illustrate who they are, what their skills are, uh, where they want to take those skills out into the world, what kind of positions are they interested in. Uh, So I'm curious when you're introducing the e-portfolios to the students, how uh, you may kind of reinforce to them the, the power of that kind of audience on their work. And I was also curious, you mentioned that they share these um, PowerPoint presentations as part of the internships with their peers. And if the portfolios are shared with the peers as well at some stage. Uh, Yes. So they keep everything private within the university. So Mm -hmm. it's, I think the correct terminology is published to TCU. Mm -hmm. And uh, that means that it's accessible in TCU, but it's only made accessible 
to anyone in the university when it's ready for me to evaluate it. So Mm -hmm. they, of course, want to work on their project um, along, and they want to make sure that they're improving it, they're making it um, representative of themselves. But then once they decide that, okay, I want to make it accessible within the university, then anyone can actually see it. Um, I can see it. uh, Their peers can see it. uh, They're always amazed at uh, the fact that When they're working in it, of course, it identifies how many times they have been working in it. So they're looking at, my gosh, so many people have looked at it. And I said, well, that's actually you uh, coming into your portfolio. (laughs) And until you make it, you know, accessible by other people, then it's you. That's always going to be. um, It's impressive. (laughs) Yes, 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 exactly. Um, So uh, what has always happened in the spring is that... um, we've had the ability and the university has had the ability to elevate and um, recognize and show value and appreciation to those e-portfolios that were developed and have been developed by TCU students. And so then those are really uh, promoted as best practices, um, best use of e-portfolios, best examples of. So those students who really put their heart and soul in it. Um, They become our role models. Uh, They are the portfolios that I will actually use to illustrate what I would like to see that next class produce. Uh, Not copying it, but as an example of, okay, this is how you can you know, format your about me page. It's not just static, but it's something that's really personalized. And so I will show them this best case, you know, um, experiences with students having, you know, being very creative with their about me page and how many different ways you can, you know, um, just create that for your portfolio. It's not just one way, it's many ways. Uh, So what's interesting is that the, the upper level class becomes the role model or the mentors for that next class coming up. Oh, wow. Yes. So uh, they become our point of contact. They become the mentors. Uh, and in fact, they, uh, I ask them if they're willing uh, to have their email contact available for this next class so that if they have questions about the e-portfolio or about how they did something or how are you able to get this you know, wallpaper or this type of font. Um, so the students are really engaged in it. Uh, this past year, I was not able to do so, but normally I have them come in and teach the class to the students. Mm-hmm. But uh, with our um Requirements to physically distance in the class, even though we were on campus, um, they just weren't able to come in at that point in time to, to um, illustrate, but I did have them come and speak on Zoom and then okay, share their okay. portfolio with the class so that you know, they could talk about how they were able to create and do things. And you know, just, uh, I guess you'd say, those students who've already been through it, they've run into some you know, situations and they'll say, well, don't do this because it's not going to do what you think it is. (laughs) So uh, just in terms of 
the ability to kind of walk students through, they can, they'll take that advice and that information from other students better than they will take it from me. So, yeah, no, and we find that in other institutions too. And I, mm-hmm. I think there's a, a piece of it of kind of um, hearing directly from the students' experience and mm-hmm. how they talk about, uh, I mean, there's some of the rubber meets the road kinds of advice, right? Oh, certainly. Um, but I think what also uh, gets passed down to the students that they're mentoring is the, the care. Mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. belief in the portfolio that they created before. So the students are automatically picking up on, well, if this is something that they have really valued as mm-hmm. an experience and that they find benefits for in you know later on in school and maybe even beyond, that this is something that they should really pay attention to. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, so I, I'm so pleased to hear that you've got the upperclassmen working as mentors to those that are just getting started. I think mm-hmm. that's fantastic. Um, and I know as you were speaking about the uh, About Me page, you were kind of touching on the, the different ways that they can present who they are. And something that I noticed when looking at some of your students' portfolios is how unique and expressive they are. And Mm -hmm. uh, I wonder if that's something that in working with the students that when you're sharing these kind of exemplars with them, that you've seen this kind of progress year to year, if they keep kind of pushing the, the envelope of what's possible. Oh, definitely. So I do give them a Uh, a little guidance. And I say, use your About Me page as if it were your cover letter, Mm -hmm. but a cover letter that's not limited to three paragraphs, a cover letter that allows you to um, use photographs, illustrations to bring in more than you normally would just in a formal cover letter. So it becomes almost a selling piece for who you are. Mm -hmm. And if if the student takes that to heart, then, of course, they're going to include uh, family, pets, um, mm-hmm. favorite places in the world, their travels, um, favorite book, um, you know, all these different components and aspects of a student are brought to light in that About Me page because they feel that's important for someone to know who they authentically are. And Mm -hmm. it's so fascinating to see how they then take all of those pieces and say, this is where I see myself fitting within this industry because uh, whether it was influence from a relative, a parent, a sibling, a best friend, um, an older aunt, you know, you never know. Someone who has uh, just really been an influence to them uh, that will come out in that about me page. So um, it's just always uh, interesting. You think you know students, but then to really get to know them from their own personal perspective, because they are really telling you about who they are uh, in this portfolio. And uh, they're hoping that it's a way in which they can, you know, tell a recruiter who they are and why they're a good fit. This concludes part one of our conversation with Sally Fortenberry. 
from Texas Christian University. To hear part two, be sure to subscribe to Digication Scholars Conversations on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Digication Scholars Conversations is brought to you by Digication, a technology platform powering the most innovative ePortfolio programs in K-12 and higher education. Our website can be found at digication.com. This episode was produced by Drew Albanicius and Amanda Driscoll. Thanks for listening.